Hey everyone, welcome to the show. You're listening to Can I, the Latchel podcast named for the acronym Continuous and Never-Ending Improvement. At Latchel, we have a deep belief that you can't get better by staying the same. And our podcast is here to give you the tools and resources you need to achieve healthy growth. As a Y Combinator-backed company, we know what it takes to have rapid, accelerated growth, and we want to pass our learnings along to you. At Latchel, we help property managers and landlords grow and scale by taking over 24-7 maintenance operations. We've developed an innovative mix of software and on-demand support to help do that. Each week on this show, we bring on industry experts and we dive into the topics that'll help you shape your business. Welcome to the show. Let's get going. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this session of the Latchel Property Management Podcast. As you know, I'm Ethan Lieber, the CEO of Latchel, and I'm here with our guest today, Daniel Craig, founder and CEO of Profit Coach. And I'm really excited to be talking to you, Daniel. You have so much good advice for uh, property managers. Um, and as we come to close out 2020 here, we're going to be diving in with you on how property managers can build 25% profitability or 25% profit margin, which is far above the industry average. So anyone, even if you think your profit margins at that 25%, you might be surprised when Daniel starts talking to find out you might be wrong. So definitely stay tuned for this one. Um, Daniel, Great to be with you. A, yeah, thanks so much. And you've got a special offer that you're going to uh, provide to anyone listening. Um, Daniel's giving everyone that's listening a forecasting tool so you can make 2021 your most profitable year in business. So definitely stay tuned through the podcast for that, that forecasting tool. Daniel, welcome to the show. Hey, I uh, really appreciate you having me on, Ethan. It's always fun to talk uh, numbers, like something I actually am a little passionate about. And hopefully do it in a way that bottom uh, really impacts the bottom line for the people listening today. So glad to be on. Absolutely. And I'm a total numbers geek. Um, I was telling Katrina before we jumped on today, how I was watching a few of your videos and just totally nerding out about numbers. <laughs> um, so, we'll, yeah, we'll dig into those. But uh, maybe we could kick off with like a kind of brief elevator pitch for what is Profit Coach and, and what do you guys do? Yeah, well, I'm an entrepreneur and we work with entrepreneurs. And when you think about entrepreneurship, for those of you listening, you might ask yourself, why do I do this? Every once in a while, we kind of have that moment where we're like, why in the world am I doing this to myself? But the reason we're in this uh, entrepreneurial game is because we love freedom. We love freedom of time, we love freedom of purpose, freedom of finances, freedom of relationships. I think that's why we're in entrepreneurship. So, Profit Coach is all about helping property management entrepreneurs expand their personal freedoms of time, finances, flexibility, purpose, relationships by creating highly profitable self-managing property management businesses. So that's what we do in an essence at a high level. And we do that through virtual CFO services to help property management entrepreneurs get clear on their financial model today, what it can be and how to close the gap. And then we also support that with full service trust account and corporate business. Awesome. How did I do? That was like, like 30 guys, seconds. That was, that was great. Like that's the true elevator pitch there. We, <laughs> we just hit the top floor and we, we haven't even hit the top floor yet. I'm already interested. Um, I, I love the, actually you, you just motivated me. And so sometimes it's easy to forget what's, why, what's the point of, of having started my business? What, what am I doing this for? You get so caught up in the day to day. It's really easy to forget like what the ultimate goal is. That's, that's an awesome reminder. Yeah. You know, one of my business partners says, you know, entrepreneurship is actually a really bad way to make money. If, you know, if, if all you're interested in is just like the quick and easiest way to a paycheck probably don't start your own business, but if you're interested in freedom and uh, you're interested in the long-term freedom of, of, you know, the personal freedoms we talked about, entrepreneurship is great. Absolutely. Um, that's where you have all the control, right? Um, so b before we uh, dive into how you do some of the things you talked about, uh, I'd love to get to know like your background a little bit, you know, how, how did you get into the property management yeah. industry? What made you even start Profit Coach? Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, kind of a funny, funny story. Um, my background is actually in sales and marketing. And um, I've always been okay at math, pretty decent at math, but sales marketing has been my gig and always uh, wanted to start a business. My brother's background is in finance. And so we we're like, hey, let's, let's, let's do this uh, you know, financial services thing. What we realized cool. was that in financial services, particularly accounting and, 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 and in the world of accounting, a lot of people think of their CPAs as just the guy that keeps me out of jail and out of trouble with the IRS. And rarely do they think of their accountant as the guy who can give them the insight to really increase their bottom line performance. And so we thought, hey, I think there's an opportunity here to leverage accounting and finance to help make entrepreneurs more money. And so we started a business uh, with that mission, served a number of different industries and then realized, hey, if we're really going to uh, bring this uh, promise to fruition, we need to find one industry where we can be the expert. We tried a, a number of different things from SaaS to other industries and ultimately landed on property management. God kind of guided us in that. And uh, ultimately, um, in 2017, we said, in order to penetrate this industry, let's try to uh, produce a financial benchmarking study for this industry like it's never had before on our own dime. And we did that, released that in 2018 at the uh, 2018 PM Growth Summit. And it was really the first time that entrepreneurs in this industry had well-defined benchmarks around things like revenue per unit, profit per unit, profitability, labor efficiency. And um, a couple of entrepreneurs in the industry really liked it and pitched us to NARPM and said, hey, you need to, NARPM, you need to hire these guys to write the NARPM accounting standards. They did. We released that in 2019 and I've uh, had just a, a grand time really helping transform these uh, businesses to where our clients right now are some of the most profitable companies in the property management space. So it's been fun and it's always wow. fun to see those light bulb moments and those honestly, we're actually seeing our, our clients engaging in more freedom, like, you know, stepping away from the business, getting into mm -hmm. the hobbies, you know, the music habit or other side ventures, other aspects of real estate. So, so we're profitability, but the personal freedom of our clients expand. And, and I think that's what's probably most thrilling. Well, I think you chose probably one of the best places to be a profit coach, because when you look at management, the management industry, it's such a challenging environment and the industry, as you know, in, in your research has such low margins that there's so much mm -hmm. opportunity here to improve things and turn things mm -hmm. around and really change the way the industry mm -hmm. operates. Um, I know your, your benchmark margin, I think is 25%. We, we talked about this yeah. in the intro in the show, but uh, you talk about how the average profitability is only 6% as mm -hmm. the industry average. Why do you think the average property manager has such a low profit margin? Uh, it, fundamentally mindset, because they think of themselves as property managers and not CEOs whose chief responsibility is to own the financial outcome of their business. Mm. And it's, I believe, a mindset shift at the end of the day that says, I'm actually not primarily a property manager. I'm primarily a CEO. And this business has one primary goal, and that is to drive a bottom line profit. And my job as a CEO is to own that outcome. That That's it. It's, it's resource allocation for increasing shareholder revenue, and you're the main shareholder. So um, that's, I think it's a mindset shift. But beyond that, I think just in general as entrepreneurs, you know, we tend to start out oftentimes because we're like free-spirited technicians. And this kind of goes back to the whole, you know, e-myth concept um, yeah. where, you know, we're, we're like, hey, we can do property management and uh, we want to do that on our own. And maybe we, you know, we read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, got into real estate. And, and so we get into this. And yet at the end of the day, we profit is something that kind of happens to us. It's sort of that thing that just drops out the bucket at the end of the year and whatever it is, it is. And we need to change our mindset. It's easy for me to get into the same habit, you know, running a business. Hey, there's always sales and marketing. There's always the new client. There's always, you know, managing people. And honestly, a finance and accounting can tend to take a little bit of a back burner role. I, I, I'm being honest. It, it, it can for me. It's hard for me to find time to sit down and review our p &L. And yeah. yet at the end of the day, we really need to focus our time there because that's why you're in business. 
and what gets measured and managed is what improves. Hmm. So, so the mind shift in a way, it sounds sort of like what I hear a lot of property managers saying, which is like, Hey, I want to work on the business, not in the business. It's kind of, tell me if I'm wrong here, kind of pulling yourself to like a higher level and looking at everything from this eagle eye view Mm -hmm. saying, how do I make this run more efficiently rather than getting trapped in sort of just day to day. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, um, you know, a lot of it comes down to maybe an identity shift. Like mm. if you thought of yourself as the guy that hustles around and deals with the owners and, and is hustling to take care of the tenants and that's your life, uh, then it's going to be hard for you to move into that CEO role. And um, we need to have a little bit of an identity shift as, as, as leaders to allow us to elevate and delegate and uh, ultimately focus our time on resource allocation as the primary job of the CEO as I see it and ultimately drive those bottom line proceeds to, yeah, absolutely work on the business and not just in the business. I I don't know uh, if you see like kind of like these identities sort of like archetypes, but a lot of times what I see would be like the property manager that says, oh, well, my job is just to, you know, prospect with new owners or my yeah. job's to talk to my owners. And the worst, some, one of the worst ones I'll see is, oh, well, my job's to do the maintenance because I'm the property manager, yeah. which is sort of like one of the kind of lower value things. At least if you're selling yeah. to owners, well, at least you're growing, you know, door count and revenues. Are, are there some other kind of like, kind of archetypes you see that people need to break out of? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the sales and marketing piece, although I do think sales and marketing is generally a great, great place for owners to be focusing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, uh, you know, maybe the way to answer that question is just to basically do an inventory on your time and say, where am I spending mm-hmm. my time? And that really, that at the end of the day will define probably, who, you know, who you identify as and, and what's most comfortable for you. So, um, you know, as in terms of some of the other, I think, uh, cop-outs, it probably would be you know, just staying in the minutia of the owner relationships and the tenant relationships and the mindset that says no one else can handle this as well as I can. I know the ins and outs of this property. You know, I have to be involved. Um, But at the same time, I think we're seeing a lot of um, progressive and smart entrepreneurs in this space. And what has historically been more of a mom and pop industry uh, with uh, the uh, advent of new technology and new competition, we're seeing a lot of entrepreneurs step up and and reinvent themselves and focus on the big picture priorities of the business. And ultimately at Profit Coach, we want to make it easy for you to do that. We want to put the numbers right in front of your eyes so that you can say, aha, now I know what I need to be focusing my time on. I got to close that margin gap, that margin gap, and that's going to impact the bottom line. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting that you say that because I see a lot of conversation around companies that like Mind, for example, these companies that are kind of coming in, they're bringing in this technology and they're trying to kind of look like an Amazon of property management. Like we, uh, they want to dominate everything. Like is property management going to become this like big box thing? Yeah. And I think like when you look at it, like the thing that protects the industry from becoming the big box chain is if every property management company can follow like your rule set to build profitable margins, they're always going to have an overwhelming advantage to the big box guys that don't know how to work in those specific markets. They struggle to acquire new properties. They don't have the right kind of uh, format to really create those strong relationships with owners. And the the danger would be, well, if you don't kind of level up and you stay at that 6% margin, and you, you, you can't reformat your business to get to that 25%. Well, well, now you have no competitive edge anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you make a great point. At the end of the day, profitability gives you massive amounts of optionality and, 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 and the ability to pivot, to innovate. And mm. the reality is, is technology is accessible for everyone today. Now, it's not just mine that can you know, hire you know, 36 programmers at 150K a pop that can access technology, you know, anybody can access technology now. And so I think that, um, you know, one of the, one of the areas that I am seeing the smartest, uh, entrepreneurs invest their time is workflow automation and, Mm. and spending time to really 
optimize some of those operational things that number one, create efficiencies and number two, allow them to reduce their hiring costs and often, you know, send a significant amount of the work offshore. And um, that, you know, I, 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 I think there's a lot of great opportunity to compete with mind and, and, or other significant entities. And also, yeah. as you said, um, you know, how does, how does boutique compete with Walmart? Well, it's boutique and it's local and it's, it's specialized. And so, you know, uh, this market is inherently decentralized. There's all sorts of local nuances, rent control in your area, legal ramifications, and, and you know, uh, a national brand, I don't think is going to be able to compete with you uh, the entrepreneur that's expert in your local area. Uh, yeah. I Totally agree. I, I think that's spot on. Um, I do want to ask because you you mentioned it uh, in your intro about the NARPM accounting standard. Um, so I know you were a huge part designing this and building it for NARPM. Um, and I hear all the time uh, NARPM uh, members of NARPM talking about the accounting standard, and uh, I'll see posts in Facebook of folks talking about oh, how do I do this and this, and everyone's like look at the NARPM accounting standard. This is the way to go. Maybe you could, could you just speak a little bit about sure. you know, what that means and how companies should be structuring finances? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the motivation behind that was the fact that, you know, this is a pretty well um, connected and socialized community. And there's a lot of conversations at conferences or now virtually, in, you know, social media, hey, my revenue per unit is, you know, 782 and my profit per unit is whatever. And I'm my, you know, profit margins are you know, north of 50%. And, you know, people are like, huh, you know, what, what, how do you do that? And so there's a lot of these, you know, kind of bar level conversations about comparison. And, and at the end of the day, everybody's like, talking past each other and some people are accounting for owner compensation some people aren't some people are including brokerage some people are including maintenance this is actually kind of a complex business and so uh, i think the motivation was hey can we standardize the way that we uh number one track our our operating books so that we can all be organizing maintenance revenue and property management revenue and expenses in a similar way and then we can have standardized benchmark or, or, or rather metrics that layer on top of that uh, and then benchmarks. And so we can have meaningful apples to apples conversations. Mm. So I think that was kind of the, the, the goal behind it and the desire behind it. And, that, and that's exactly what we've been able to, we've been able to facilitate. So the Narpham County Standards has four elements and it's a free um, content offering to members of NARPM. And um, just hats off to NARPM for making this happen. And we're grateful to have been a part of that. But number one, it's a standard chart of accounts for your corporate bookkeeping very quickly. The purpose of that is you got to, you know, garbage in, garbage out. You got to get the data in the right way. When we did our national benchmarking study, we had you know, 50 different companies with 50 different charts of accounts. Oh. Some people are putting different things in advertising. Some people include vacancy advertising. Some people just include new owner advertising. You know, is Latchel, uh, you know, uh, a direct labor or an operating expense or, you know, whatever it is, oh. okay? So um, standardizing all of that, Number one, with the standard chart of accounts. Number two, we have specific metrics definitions. What goes into revenue? How do you calculate that? And then number three, a metrics guide relative to that to basically help you understand what the top performers in the industry are doing. Ooh. And then finally, there's also a fourth component around financial controls for property managers to kind of help keep you out of jail as you manage other people's money. So the net of that is that it's a framework for helping property managers get really clear on their financial performance over time and then compare themselves to key benchmarks to help them identify what the opportunities are in their business every time we do this we have people you know light bulb moments hey i didn't you know i didn't know i was there number one people don't even know where they are and i didn't know number two that this was possible and once they see other people doing it, they believe it and they go after the change. Change is hard and you have to believe that it's possible and it's worth it. And that's kind of what we're able to tease out. Gotcha. And when you when you work with a property manager, you're moving them to this this standard. You're setting up like that chart of accounts and, and doing all yeah. that for them. We have a, a one-time engagement and and you know, we can talk about this later on, but typically mm -hmm. when we work with people, we start with a one-time engagement where we convert them to the NARPM accounting standards we go in, convert their chart of accounts and also do 
a bunch of dirty bookkeeping to make sure that the data set underneath that chart of accounts is actually reflective. So splitting out transactions and all that Ooh. stuff. And then once that data sets there, we pull out two years worth of financial data, two years worth of unit data from their property management software, upload that into our advising dashboard where we visualize all of these metrics over time compared to the key benchmarks. And just, you know, you look at the chart and you say, here's where I am, here's where I can be. How do I, uh, you know, close the gap? And, and that's what we help people define. Awesome. And I imagine these benchmarks you're talking about, they're, they're in some ways probably tied to these do or die metrics, right? That you've yeah, outlined. Absolutely. Uh, maybe we can get into the weeds a little bit here because yeah. I think this is going to be super valuable and tactical for everyone listening. Can you go through those six metrics and, uh, you know, maybe as you go Love through to. them, you can point to the ones that you feel like are kind of overlooked by companies? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Let me just uh, share my screen here. And um, I'm going to pull, uh, just give me one second, I'm gonna hit the share screen button. Here we go. So, um, Ethan, when it comes to these metrics, what we have uh, found. Uh, that... You're not sharing your screen yet, Daniel. Great. Can you see it now? There we go. Beautiful. Sweet. When it comes to these metrics, um, what we found is that there is you know about 30 different metrics that we provide standards um but after having done this for uh, we've done this analysis for probably 150 companies about and what i've come to realize is that there's really six metrics that always pretty much tell the story of the business and so uh if you want to be uh that ceo that's owning the financial outcome of your business i can tell you if you master your performance and your understanding around these six metrics, you're gonna be well on your way to doing that. Their profitability, revenue per unit, direct labor efficiency, expenses as a percent of revenue, unit churn and unit acquisition cost. And I'm gonna walk through those uh, for just a minute. And Ethan, feel free to just kind of stop me and, and if something's not making sense, you know, we'll tease it out a little bit. But um, these metrics uh, definitions are all available. It's part of the NARPM accounting standards, and we give you definitions if you want to DIY this, you know, how to calculate these metrics. Um, and then there's also a financial benchmarks guide where you can compare what you have calculated for yourself relative to um, some key benchmarks. So um, let me just start with profitability here. If we look, number one, at profitability at just the, the, on just the property management level, and oftentimes there's a lot of financial fog in property management because people are mixing brokerage and maintenance property management. All three of those matter. All three of them can be highly profitable. Um, and yet oftentimes one division is subsidizing another. And so what you really need to do, and this is what the NARPA accounting standards help you do is get clear on the performance of each of those business units. So when we look at profitability, for example, for property management, um, 6% right here is the average, 25% is the benchmark as we've already talked about. And one of the key things here is the reason this metric matters is number one, most of us actually don't know what a profitability is. Let's just face it. Ask yourself right now, what is my profitability right now as of the last 12 months? It, it, most of us don't know that number. Um, and so that's, that's uh, telling. And it's because sometimes that's hard to get at. Now, from accounting standards help simplify that. The other reason it's hard to get at is because oftentimes we play with our books. We run a lot of personal stuff through the books, or we're not really paying ourselves a market-based wage. Maybe we're paying ourselves above that or below that playing tax games, which is fine, but you need to know what your profitability would be if you were paying yourself a market-based wage. And if you replaced yourself at some point and you know, moved off to Hawaii and had to hire someone to replace you to do what you do, what would you have to pay them? And what would your profitability be after that salary? And what we have found is that the top 25% of performers in this industry make 25% profit margins after paying themselves a market-based salary. Does that make sense, Ethan? Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's such so, a huge gap between what the industry averages and what the top performers are doing. Yeah. 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 And it's it's pretty exciting. Um, you know, with our clients, we've seen them starting at that six to 7% range and then putting in several, you know, four or five key initiatives and, and they're there. So wow. what I want to just tease out is, okay, how do you impact that briefly? And I'm going to skip a few of these for sake of time, but there's really five key metrics, uh, the next five that really drive that. Uh -huh. And 
Um, the first one that I'm going to mention, this is one of the most significant ones, is revenue per unit. And revenue per unit is so important because um, oftentimes we think of growing our businesses as adding doors. But the reality is, is that if, if you're not profitable right now and you add more doors, chances are you're just going to scale in unprofitability. And so um, sometimes you can scale out of it, but a lot of times you're just perpetuating and growing the same fundamental problem in your business model. And so the power of revenue per unit is that it addresses your pricing. And essentially what we have found is the reason revenue per unit is so significant is that because it has just a disproportionate impact on bottom line to where a 10% increase in revenue per unit can result in a hundred percent increase in profitability. Wow. Um, and, and, and I'll just play the numbers out real quickly. Let's say your revenue per unit right now is 150 bucks. Okay. A 10% increase would be $15. If you're at 150 bucks, you know, maybe you're at $15 in profit per unit and you have to ask yourself, okay, could I get from 150 to 165 in revenue per unit? Yeah. Chances are you can. Um, there's a ton of ancillary fee opportunities in this business, which makes it so fun. You know, I think of, you know, a variety of vendors that provide ancillary revenue opportunities like Latchel. And so it's really not that hard to add some of that revenue per unit. But if you get $15 more revenue per unit and there's no offsetting costs, your profit per unit has just gone from 15 to 30. You've doubled your profitability. And time and time again, we see that happening where Oftentimes we put enough effort into our pricing to cover our costs, but it's that extra 10% effort to really maximize and dial in pri uh, pricing that often is what uh, generates the uh, profit, profit of the company. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, I think part of the reason resident benefit packages have become kind of commonplace among top, top performers is they're a great way to capture additional revenue that oftentimes has no cost. And so companies are mm -hmm. seeing that profitability increase. Um, mm -hmm. are, are there other kind of key things that you think folks should be looking at for that revenue driver? Yeah, I mean, honestly, um, uh, I, I always like to encourage three things. Number one, make sure everybody's on your new, on your current contract. Oftentimes we increase prices, but we keep everybody, you know, from two or five years ago on the old contract. Get everybody up to your newest contract. Number two, um, you know, take a look at your main fees, management, leasing, renewal, application fees. You know, can you can you bump your 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 management fee from eight to eight and a half percent? You know, a half a percent uh, today for a client that I was working with today at two hundred thirty doors was going to make them thirty thousand dollars more profit. Just a half a percent. Um, and then thirdly, do really consider. Um, your uh, ancillary fee opportunities. My, you know, top top five favorite revenue drivers are number one, pet fees and pet rent. Number two, maintenance handling fees. Number three, resident benefits packages. Uh, number four, um, uh, looking at things like tenant admin, lease admin, and tenant renewal fees. Uh, and then, you know, the list goes on. But those are some of the most uh, significant revenue drivers. And, you know, there's, there's plenty of talk about these. It's not that hard to find these resources really. Uh, and I recommend you take a look at, um, Todd Orchide's course on, on, on fee maxing has a lot of great resources. Let's, let's, um, let me just give you, uh, an additional kind of point of, of context, uh, on revenue per unit just for a second. And that is the question, okay, what should my revenue per unit be? And we have, um, developed a rule of thumb that basically helps provide a range of where you know top performing revenue per unit tends to go. And it's on the screen right now. Essentially, if your average rent is uh, below 1500, you should be able to get 10 to 15% of your average rent in total revenue per unit. If your average rent is above 1500, you should be able to get 15 to 20% I'm sorry, I said that backwards. If your average rent is over 1,500, you'd be able to get 10 to 15% of your average rent in total revenue per unit. And if your average rent is below 1,500, you should be able to get uh, 15 to 20% of your average rent in total revenue per unit. So quick rule of thumb there. Uh, and uh, hopefully that helps you kind of dial in uh, where you where the potential is for revenue per unit for your company.
Ethan, are we still connected? Yeah, yeah. I'm just like so interested and fascinated by what you're talking about. I'm taking some detailed notes here just okay, for, for okay. myself. <laughs> like I, I just right. love I what like, you're oh, talking no. about. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, let's move on. Uh, well, actually, and, and just, just to clarify what you're talking about, because part of this was me kind of digesting the slide you just showed. If I was going to do the math, and let, let's just call it 15%, if your rent's $1,500, your, a, a good rule of thumb for your revenue per unit would be $225, right? Which wow. is 15% of 1500 So that's how folks should think about this. Yeah, exactly. If my rent yep. was a thousand bucks, you know, it'd be like 150, somewhere between 100 to 150. Uh, no, if your rent was a thousand bucks, somewhere between 100. Oh, 15 to 20. Okay, 150 to 200. Yeah. Got it. Makes sense. Okay, perfect. Yep. Okay, well, for sake of time, let's hit a couple of these other ones. Um, direct labor efficiency metric. Um, this is sort of my de desert island metric because at the end of the day, there's only two ways to increase profitability, and that is to charge more. Uh, or to spend less uh, to deliver the service. And so um, this metric is so powerful because it, it takes into consideration those two factors. And specifically, it takes into consideration that revenue per unit component that we were just talking about, and also takes into consideration the largest portion of your expenses, which is direct labor. And that's the labor cost to get the property management job done. So the, the ratio is very simple. How many dollars of revenue do we generate for every dollar that we spend on direct labor. So I spend a dollar in salary, how many dollars does that give me back in revenue? And what we've seen again and again is that typically our profitability charts and our direct labor efficiency charts mirror each other very quickly. So if you can improve this metric, then you can improve your uh, profitability. And there's three ways to improve this metric. Number one, pricing, we just discussed that. You charge more for what you do, your labor efficiency is going to improve. You're going to get more money relative to the same labor cost. Number two, uh, utilization. Uh, how can you create efficiencies in your operations through workflows, through better management, through streamlining of your processes, scope of services, so that your team can get more property management done in the same amount of time? And the third way to improve this is labor cost. How can we decrease our labor costs relative to the work that's being done, either through outsourcing or remote team members or, or, or automation? So um, those are the three ways to impact this. And um, if you are tracking this one metric, generally speaking, this is the hardest metric to improve. And if you can improve this metric and really dial in that labor efficiency to about a 3.5 is where we want 3.4, 3.5 to where you're getting about $3.40 or $3.50 of revenue for every dollar you spend on uh, on on direct labor, then you're going to be well poised to be hitting that 25% uh, profitability benchmark. This is actually one of my favorite benchmarks uh, you provided. Part of this is for selfish reasons, because in the way we designed Latchel's concierge service, what we were looking at was, of course, like, how do you drive more revenue? Um, mm -hmm. And so it, it's a little bit different than the idea of, you know, do you increase your fees? Instead, it's mm -hmm. like, I'm going to add a new source to bring in additional revenue, which is like the mm -hmm. concierge that the tenant pays for and we revenue mm -hmm. share. But part of the thing that I love about what we do at Latchel is um, layered into that, we, we create some labor efficiencies on the maintenance side mm. so that your, your maintenance administrators are doing less work. Latchel takes over that and it's just included in the concierge, so you're not paying for it. Mm -hmm. um, and then on some of our best customers are their coordinators, their admins are actually outsourced to either Mexico or the Philippines. And they're mm -hmm. the ones that kind of oversee it. And we see best mm -hmm. results there. I'm yeah. curious, like, you know, outside of what we're doing, are there other like uh, great opportunities or software packages or like workflows that managers should be focused on whether it's like leasing or maintenance or other sure. things that can help with us yeah I, I think that um one of the big opportunities is uh uh that thing earlier that um you know technology is not just available to big guys and there's some great solutions out there some people have done kind of their own customized versions of podio to really dial in workflow efficiency and automation Ooh. i'm really excited about um lead simple and their uh, new workflow solution for operations. Historically, they've been known as a 
um, you know, sales um, CRM, yeah. but they've now built out uh, work for, a workflow solution specifically for property management, super affordable, uh, customizable, and, you know, syncs with the PM soft, main PM softwares as well. So that's probably one of my, my, my biggest recommendations there is just to invest in workflow uh, solutions as a way of increasing utilization of your, of your staffing. Awesome. Let's pivot to uh, talk about number four, and we'll just touch on these last ones a little bit more quickly. Um, but what I have found is that um, one of the least exciting places to manage your finances is just in the basic operating expenses. Um, but too often, we don't really pay attention to how much we're going out to eat or how much we're spending on travel or how much uh, we're spending on our office space or phones or whatever it is. And these expenses can just kind of tend to creep up on you. And so um, what we love about the NARPM accounting standards is it provides a way of summarizing key categories of expenses. And the ones I've got on the screen here are other operating expenses, um, facilities, and payroll taxes and benefits. And essentially, um, these uh, are some of the main categories of non-labor expenses that you need to keep an eye on. Here's some averages in terms of these categories of expenses as a percent of revenue and then the, the benchmarks. And so we want to cool. see other operating expenses and facilities expenses combined right around 18% of revenue. Uh, I see these up at 25, 30, even 40, 50% of revenue sometimes. Wow. Uh, and you wanna keep your payroll taxes and benefits somewhere in the five five to seven range as well. So again, the beautiful thing, if you convert your books to the NARPM accounting standards, you can really easily, you know, it's grouped, uh, your, your, your bookkeeping will be grouped in these exact categories. And so you can really quickly say, all right, hey, you know, take take this category of expenses, divide that into revenue and what's my percent. So um, these can keep up on you. Really important to keep an eye on those. And then just two more, um, churn. Churn is really the silent killer. And industry average for churn is 25%, but the benchmark here is 12%. And um, just a really interesting chart. When we did our analysis, we basically looked at, we mapped um, these companies uh, in terms of the, the blue being the number of units that they added and the red being the number of units they lost in the same time period. And you can see it's a bloodbath. Wow. And in some cases, you know, their, their gains were completely absorbed or exceeded by their churn in the same time period. So, um, and is this due uh, to like owners breaking contracts or not renewing, or is this because of vacancies? Like, uh, probably, you know, a mix of the market and just mm. stinky service mm. <laughs> and bringing on the wrong type of clients. So, um, I think in some cases have been such an obsession with growth and people don't think about the fact that they got a really leaky bucket and they just, you know, kind of the more they put in, the more that spills out the bottom. Gotcha. So, and then the last one is unit acquisition costs. And so. Um, the unit acquisition cost piece here is just really important to managing your growth model. And oftentimes what people think is if I spend more on marketing and spend more on sales, I'm going to get more doors. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. And so um, what we've actually seen in some cases is a little to no correlation between and growth for some companies. And so it's really important to manage your unit acquisition cost on a per unit basis as we spend more in aggregate on sales and marketing, how is our per unit cost changing? Are we now spending twice as much to add a door as we were a year ago? Because oftentimes scaling with sales and marketing is inefficient if you're not careful. So really important if you want to grow smart and grow profitably that you manage the per unit acquisition costs as you scale. And that is an overview of uh, the six do or die metrics. I love it. I want to ask one question about the acquisition cost. Yeah. Are, are there any things you've seen companies do that you can correlate to really high acquisition costs that maybe companies should look at, analyze, and think about stopping? Yeah. I mean, for sure. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, some people some people are going to hate me for saying this, but pay per lead advertising is really hard to manage. 
And that's probably where we see the most significant increase in advertising spend relative to the gains. Um, The other mistake is I'm not good at sales. I don't want to do sales. And I want to think about managing sales. So I'm just going to go hire a really expensive rock star BDM who's just going to make this company grow like nobody's business. And that kind of strategy is super expensive and rarely works. So at the root of both of those mistakes often, or or I'm not saying paper lead is a mistake, but at the root of the mistakes around mismanagement of marketing and sales spend is a disengagement on the part of the owner in terms of really owning and managing and leading the sales and marketing effort. I fundamentally think that if you're not going to lead that, you're going to spend a lot on outsourcing it with mediocre results. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. And I'm not saying anything against outsourcing. I just think even if you do outsource, you really need to manage it and own it and understand it and lead it. Yeah, there's this concept of, uh, well, at least in sort of like the venture capital world, this concept of like what stage are you at in the sales process? And most companies want to be in that founder-led selling until yeah. they're like very large and then you don't need that founder to run sales because you've built up so many processes over years and years that you don't have to do it anymore someone can do it just as good as you can exactly. or maybe even better because you're busy with some other things but that takes a lot yeah. of time to develop into yeah absolutely well when now i imagine here when folks like sign up to work with you you kind of walk them through all this and calculate these numbers for their situation but maybe you can kind of just give us a quick walkthrough of you know if if i had a management company and i said daniel like help me like what does that process look like yeah you know um i'll just pull up um just a quick summary of our initial engagement here and essentially um what we do as an initial engagement we do ongoing services as a, a, a you know, outsourced CFO and also corporate and trust accounting. But initially, we just want to help people get clarity. And so what that looks like is an initial package where we uh, help people convert to the NARPM accounting standards, both at the chart of accounts level. And then our accounting team spends upwards of 30 plus hours actually doing historical reclassification, moving stuff around, splitting stuff out and getting all the data underlying the chart of accounts uh, lined up properly so that we so that we then have a basis, a, a data set to do this analysis. And essentially, once that's done, um, we do the analysis where we take two years worth of financial data, two years worth of unit data, import that into our dashboard with a bunch of uh, visualized uh, visualizations of these KPIs over time relative to the key benchmarks. And then I get on the phone personally one-on-one with people and we walk through that dashboard, help them understand what their performance is, how, um, you know, what, what gaps they need to close and how to close those in each of the key metrics that we just talked about. And ultimately then we wrap up that conversation with a, a forecast where we basically build out a 12 month model that says, all right, with this anticipated growth, these changes to the business model that we just defined, here's the bottom line impact uh, that you can expect. And um, people typically, we call that our $50,000 call because typically uh, we're able to provide people $50,000 or more of actionable insights that will drive you know that much profit in the next 12 to 24 months. So it's pretty fun. That's incredible. Is there like a typical kind of management company you work with, like certain size or anything like that that yeah. folks should be aware of? Generally, yeah, generally, you know, we don't we don't uh, do too many of these analysis projects before like seventy five or one hundred doors. So you kind of have to have kind of a base basic you know foundation there. But from there, I mean, we pretty much work with companies from a uh, hundred to three thousand doors on a regular wow. basis, and so. Uh, the cool thing is property management is property management and the same model applies really no matter how big you are. Now there's changes to the model uh, in terms of, you know, different allocations of resources, but the basic model is still the same and the same basic principles apply. So um, it doesn't really matter uh, what size you are. There's still that opportunity to achieve 25% profitability or better. That's amazing. And, you know, you've you've already kind of talked about how you've been able to help companies go from 6% margin to 25%. Are 
Are there any like specific su success stories you want to share? Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, I, I think of, um, you know, without, without divulging uh, too much information in terms of people's confidential finances, um, <laughs> Uh, just just uh, recently, we did some analysis of clients that we worked with over the last three years. Cool. Uh, one of our original beta clients out in California um, uh, came to us, and you know, pretty pretty typical entrepreneur, hustling, making it happen, but really was skittish about finances, and said, "Hey, I need you guys to help me understand my my finances." At that time, he was about seven percent profitable and uh, making about $100,000 of profit per year, which isn't bad, nothing to sneeze at. Um, over the next three years, we just worked with him on these same principles. He was, he was smart and he was doing a lot of smart things, so I'm not gonna take all the credit. Uh, but today, he's at about 28 to 30% profitability and his take-home profitability is now about $500,000. And so, um, you know, we wow, see, see these kind of stories really, really all the time. Just today, I got off the phone with someone doing this analysis. And frankly, I, I undersold him a little bit because he was already at 20%, a 22% profitability. And uh, yeah, 22%. And I told him, I said, I think we can help you. It may not be as significant as it is for some company because you're relatively profitable. Well, we had an hour and a half call. And at the end of that, we defined $170,000 worth of profit opportunities in an hour and a half. That would take him from 22 to 36% profitable over the next 12 to 24 months. So yeah, that was, that was a big story. That's incredible. It's, it's awesome to hear you can even take a company that's a top performer and put them at like the 99th percentile <laughs> of profitability. That, that's amazing. Um, and does this typically take like a year, two years, three years? I mean, if I if someone signs up for you tomorrow, what can they expect in terms of timeline? Yeah, sure. So I would say um, it has a lot to do with your own appetite for change. Uh, and so, you know, the initial engagement typically takes, you know, three weeks or so um, and where we convert and then get on the phone, maybe three to four weeks by the time, you know, all the analysis and conversion is done. And at that point, you typically have the insights at a, you know, maybe higher level, but actionable insights to make it happen. But some of them can be significant and some of them can be painful. Restructuring your PMA, that's not easy, but it's well worth it. Um, rethinking your entire labor force, not easy, but worth it. Um, the good yeah. news is that change happens, meaning things like COVID happen, people leave the company. And oftentimes, some of the, the silver lining to some of the most painful moments in our lives as entrepreneurs is that it provides the impetus that we need to change and 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 grow. And so um, time and time again, we've seen people actually kind of hearing the insights and then as life happens in their business, they, you know, they slowly roll it out as they, as they believe in it. But I would say, you know, um, to really do a, a full turnaround and, uh, of a company is you know, typically 12 to 24 months. That's awesome. That's actually a pretty quick turnaround for doing something like 7% margin to 30% margin. That's, that's insane. Yeah. I mean, you, you can, you, you 5X your, your, your profitability without adding a single unit. Like that's yeah. insane. Yeah. Um, I, I have a feeling everyone listening is now like, Oh, how do I talk to Daniel? Like where, where do I go? Yeah. And, and also what is this free tool that Daniel's offering that sure. will help me? So maybe you can give folks uh, access to that and tell people how to get in touch with you. Totally. Yeah. Um, so um, we have a, uh, a forecasting model that's designed specifically for property management. Maybe just pull it up here real quickly. Um, so here it is. I'm going to share my screen. And basically what for the power of forecasting is it essentially allows you to define and predict your profitability. And, and so um, this is loading here for just a second, but essentially we want you to help. We want to help you create your 2021 PL in December of 2020. You don't want your PL delivered to you at the end of the year. You want to, you want to define it. Now life happens, things change, but you at least want to have a plan that you can begin to orient around it. And as the year goes along, you want to have a way of analyzing forecasts versus actuals to see how you're tracking with that plan. Budgeting is often difficult because it's, you know, 
this really painful um, you know, exercise that nobody wants to do and it becomes obsolete, you know, a third of the way into the year and, 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 and becomes irrelevant. So you need a, uh, an accurate, um, simple, recurring and agile way of, of predicting the future. And fortunately, property management is predictable enough uh, to, to, to do that. And so basically this model, and I'm going to give this to you, if you email me at daniel at pmprofitcoach.com, daniel at pmprofitcoach.com, and maybe throw that in chat if you don't mind, Ethan. And, um, uh, just, just, uh, put forecast in the subject line and I'll send this to you along with four videos of me explaining how to use this, but I'm going to help you and walk you through how to, uh, forecast out your growth how to forecast out your, your leasing, the seasonal portion of your revenue in terms of new leases, applications, and renewals. And from there, a very simple way to forecast out your revenue on a month-by-month month basis, forecast out your key categories of expenses, labor, facilities, other operating expenses, payroll taxes and benefits, new owner advertising. I can typically do this for people in about 15 to 20 minutes. I can create a very highly accurate forecast with this model in about 15 to 20 minutes. The beautiful thing about this is that when we do this with our clients, we actually support them with bringing in the actuals on a monthly basis so that they can see, all right, here's what I said I was going to do in January. Here's what actually happened. Here's the Delta. Now, why? And you're getting that feedback real time so that you can pivot instead of getting to the end of the year, having your bookkeeper hand you your P&L. And shucks, you only hit 6% profitability. So if that kind of uh, insight and predictability would be helpful to you, email me at daniel at pmprofitcoach.com, subject line forecasts, and I'll send that to you along with four videos explaining uh, how to use it. Daniel, this is incredible. Everyone, email Daniel right now, daniel at pmprofitcoach.com. <laughs> that your, your email's in the chat. We'll include it in the notes post-show as well. Um, I feel like there's so much value here and so much value in what you're offering, even after folks finish listening to the show. Um, so thank you so much for, for joining. Uh, it, was, it was incredible having you. Hey, uh, hey, Ethan, thank you. And appreciate you putting the time and energy into getting content out there to support entrepreneurs. Thanks for your services at Latchel and of course. Uh, appreciate the, the opportunity to be on the show today. Awesome. Daniel, thank you so much. And for everyone that joined, thanks for tuning in. Uh, hit up Daniel at Daniel at pmprofitcoach.com. And if you're interested in more topics on property management growth, you can also head to propertybrew.co uh, to subscribe to the weekly newsletter there where we focus on industry innovations, growth tactics. Daniel, at some point, will have to do a piece about you in the Property Brew newsletter. Um, so thank you. Thank every thanks, everyone, for joining. Make sure you don't miss the next show. You can follow our Crowdcast channel at crowdcast.io slash latchel or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Latchel. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Ethan. Have a great day. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date. Hit that subscribe button. Give us some love. Maybe give us a five-star review, too, if you like what you're hearing. And I have an ask for you. I'd like you to go to Latchel.com and click the book a demo button to schedule time to talk with us. We want to hear about your business, how you've been, how you're growing, how maintenance is going at your company. Maybe we can work together, maybe not, but you won't know unless you talk to us. So go to latchel.com, click the book a demo button. I'm looking forward to talking to you. I know the rest of our team here is. So go do that as soon as you can. Thanks everyone. See you back next week.